Okay, okay, right. Are you are you happy to go? I'm going to see if I can be a little bit more energetic than I currently feel. <laughs> I am ready to go, and yes, it could be. It's going to be a fairly relaxed podcast, I think, today for our listeners because you're feeling a little under the weather. I am feeling a little under the weather. A wave of D and V on the horizon. Nice. That's a tsunami you want to avoid, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it is. Get to high ground. High ground won't help you, Tom. It's only going to make things worse for everything from below you. <laughs> So yes, you're uh, you're pending the flu, and I've just got back from London after interviewing QI creator John Lloyd. He's also the guy who created Blackadder, so he is going to be the second Ooh. of our special guests. So look out for that in a couple of weeks, audience. Oh, very hoity-toity. Very hoity-toity. Yes, I've been. At the... Look at you mingling in <laughs> high society. What 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 what? Indubitably, sir. So yes, that's coming in a couple of weeks. Look at that. Did you go down in your best shirt and tails? <laughs> I didn't go down at all, so I just sent him a polite email. <laughs> there was no obligation oh, on I either side. You were for this. <laughs> I was wondering how you managed to get such a high-profile producer <laughs> of comedy. Right, let's play some music <laughs> and get on with the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the history podcast. We're, I usually say the little history podcast, but we're not so little anymore. We're titans of comedy now. Titans. Titans. Absolutely. Yeah, good historical term as well. In which Sam, that's me, Tom, that's him. Tom, that's me, yeah. Yeah. Discuss history stories on a theme each week. The topic is decided the week in advance, but everything else is a surprise. You know the drill by now. And you know what I'm going to ask you, Tom. What's the topic? Discovery. Good topic. Good topic. Although we've left, it's one of those ones where we left it so open <laughs> that it was actually yeah. really difficult because I didn't know where to start. Oh, did you? Yeah. I, I found this one quite easy. I found a couple of really good ones early on. And one of the ones that I found... As I was researching it, I then discovered it's it's quite well known. It's put on a number of other podcasts. So I explored further. I'm not going to tell you what it is, because I might go back to it in another episode. I explored further and found a cracker. Ooh. A cracker. A cracker. And I'll tell you what, what my Google search term was to find this one um, at the end. <laughs> because I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I started on the science route, and I, it had all either been covered or just... It was interesting... But not necessarily distillable into a podcast. So things like the history yeah. of zero, the discovery of zero, which came surprisingly oh, late. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So zero, zero is a placeholder. So we discovered it quite early in the history of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, About first six ten months. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we. So zero is it's kind of interesting because a placeholder. So say to differentiate 210 from 21. I do that all the time, yeah. That came relatively early. Oh, adding a zero on, right, got you. Adding the zero on to the end, so just as a placeholder to say there's an extra bit here. But the concept of nothing didn't really exist until, like, the 6th century AD, properly. It was sort of invented around, ironically, year zero. So just in, like, 3-4 BC, there's a couple of mentions of it, and then it just disappears from human knowledge for about 600 years. But it's been covered a lot before... Which in itself is quite ironic, isn't yeah, well, it? Yes. <laughs> Literally, nothing. Nothing existed yeah. for 600 years until we discovered nothing. Very interesting, but it's been covered in other podcasts. And, and too much of a mindfuck. Too much of a mindfuck, and doesn't really translate particularly well into comedy history. So I've left that one. No. And then there was some nonsense about saints, none of which was particularly exciting. But I think I found a, I found a good one. I was determined that I was going to go classics this week, and I've managed it. I have as well, and I also wanted to find something a little bit 
innately silly, and I've managed that. Excellent. Which, without being too rude, as well, <laughs> I hasten to add, which is usually the route I go down. Yeah, I've managed to avoid being too rude as well this week. We should flip something to decide who goes first, shouldn't we? Um, flip something or... discovery-related. Right, have you got a space shuttle? Do I have a space anywhere? shuttle? Do I have a little rocket somewhere? Oh, do you know what? Actually, i tell you what. I... Mm, uh, no, that's not going to work. I have a moon. Good luck picking a side with that. <laughs> the dark side <laughs> the da- of the moon. Oh, the dark side, of yeah. course. Yes, yeah. it is, however... Nice a Pink Floyd reference there as well. Yeah, I t- OK, right. I, I, we won't flip it, because that won't work, but I will roll the moon. Has it got a bright side and a dark side? Yes, it does. Surely you've got some Pink Floyd albums near you as well, haven't you? Uh, Someone like you with a beard. I'm I would have to root through my CD collection, <laughs> and the audience doesn't need that. <laughs> Sorry, I was just chuckling at my beard comment. <laughs> I missed that. I was off getting the moon. <laughs> on then roll your moon so you want the dark side of the moon i want the dark side of the moon okay i'm gonna roll this i'm gonna put my keyboard down and roll it on the table so you can hear it oh that was a cracking sound that That sounded like the start of one of those youtube videos where um everything's connected and the ball rolls down then it knocks a tennis racket and the tennis racket yeah and she falls backwards into a bucket of lard and then (laughs) slips out the (laughs) Slips out. This has gone from one of those Heath Robinson things to some very niche pornography. <laughs> Speaking of which, let me just cover up my moon and put it back away. <laughs> Hello, neighbours. Right. <laughs> nice little... Uh, it's, it's early morning for you, isn't it? So you might have well, like one of those nice dewy butt prints on your window. Now. <laughs> Beautiful. And by dewy, I don't mean... <laughs> I was, I was, I was <laughs> trying to formulate that into a joke, and then I thought, I don't, yeah. no. <laughs> no. I, I don't mean Zionist. I don't mean a Zionist butt print on your window. I... Right. Anyway. You've won. <laughs> okay, I've won. Good. Right. Shall I just go first? Go on, then. Before I start shitting through the eye of a needle. Nice biblical reference there. <laughs> Which, actually, I'll come round to. <laughs> like Moses parting the cheeks. <laughs> no, you can't tell that joke. <laughs> right. Now, I'm going to start with the hardest thing about my uh, my little piece in this podcast, which is the name of my topic. Do you want a drum roll? Know, <laughs> it's actually easier to pronounce than you might think. It looks like a, a real, you need to, yeah, it looks like a real mouthful. But it's actually just simply the Oxyrhynchus papyri. Papyri being the plural of papyrus. Papyrus being Gross. basically primitive paper. <laughs> Shit what was written on. And Oxyrhynchus being the singular of Oxyrhynchi. Or oxyrinkle. <laughs> Which is a type of gravy. It's a wrinkle <laughs> on your face from drinking too much gravy. Yes. <laughs> An oxyrinkle. <laughs> Don't know if that will translate to another country, oxo cubes. Anyway. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Anyway, Oxyrinkus is a town with a very long history. So it goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. It's a town with a very long name. It is Oxyrinkus. And it's got a lot of Y's in it. And it's got a, an R next to a H. <laughs> Um, and an X next to Y is quite Ooh, quite it's a bit like Welsh. Okay. It, it's exactly what exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, that's the only word. The name of this town is the only word you're going to be able to save right this week. <laughs> anyway, ancient Egyptian town that was named after the Medjed fish, which is a type of elephant fish that um, is quite important in Egyptian mythology because it was the uh, Medjed fish that gobbled up Osiris's penis Oof. after he was chopped up by Seth, the god of chaos. Oof. 
So Osiris was the god of fertility and the afterlife, which we've touched on in a previous episode. And he wanders around with a crook and a flail, which was later adopted by the pharaohs. So you'll have seen the pharaohs with their crook and their flail. Yes. And it's presumably to grab people by the neck and then sort of tickle them in the face, saying, you know, ooh, you like that, don't you? Ooh, you like that, you little naughty boy. Mm, I'm the pharaoh, I can do what the fuck I like. Ooh, tickle in the face. Have it, have it. Say I like it, pharaoh. Say give me another one, pharaoh. <laughs> Say I love building your pyramids and I love being flailed in the face. By your big feathery flail. Say it, or I'll have your knob gobbled by a fish. <laughs> Myths don't lie. Myths don't lie. Seth doesn't sound too nice either, although he's a little bit more hardcore than the face tickler. He's the god of chaos. I'm the god of chaos! <laughs> Watch me throw me socks in the drawer without pairing them up. Crazy! <laughs> I'm going to start two loaves of bread at the same time. Madness! Four <laughs> jars of peanut butter! All of them have been started! There's yeah. a bit left at the bottom of the milk! <laughs> Boom! But I'm going to open another one! I like that we've both decided that he's Ozzy Osbourne as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm the lord of chaos. <laughs> well, actually, Sam, we're going to get to Brummies a little bit later. <laughs> I managed to get the slur, but not the Brummy. Anyway, so during Ptolemaic and the Roman periods of this town's history, so we're talking a good 900 years, that's a big chunk of history, and that's uh, the Ptolemaic era is from the death of Alexander. So that is a lot of history. It is a, a whole lot of history. 900 is a lot of years, David. Yep. And it's from the death of Alexander, Alexander the Great, to the conquest of the Arabs or slash Muslims. And Oxyrhynchus was a banging place to be for this 900 years. It was very, very important. Lots of cool places to visit. It had one of the largest theatres in North Africa at baths, temples, hippodromes. It was a banging Oof. place to be. Oof. Like the Vegas of ancient Egypt. Is it worth explaining what a hippodrome was, Sam? I didn't break racetrack. No, it's not. It's where... <laughs> You've ruined my joke, which is possibly the best joke. You weren't supposed to answer it. Oh, so I'd like, to explain, I I'd like to explain what a hippodrome is. It was where the Romans first learned that they could attach helicopter propellers to hippopotamuses and control them via mobile devices. They were called hippodrones and uh, were raced around hippodromes. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. That was, um, that was the highlight. That's worth going back for. <laughs> that was the highlight of my notes. Thank you very much. I was chuckling to myself when I wrote that. About the only person who was. When the Arabs conquered the site, <laughs> the site rapidly became deserted and only a much smaller town that occupied part of the site of the old city sort of survived through the, the Arab sort of period. So for about a thousand years, these Muslims basically dumped their rubbish at various sites outside of the town. Now, this I got a little bit confused by this when I was researching it. From what I understand, they would dump in old material that they found rather than their newer material. Because in these dumps, there's shitloads of classical material. Fortunately for archaeologists, Oxyrhynchus was supplied with water from the Nile via a canal during the classical period, instead of being right on the banks of the Nile. So subsequently, it was in a very dry and a not flood-prone part of the Nile Delta, which is quite rare. I suppose it wouldn't even be the Nile Delta because the Nile Delta was the bit that was wet. And the, the canal dried up during the Arab period as well, which made it even drier. So this meant that at the end of the 19th century, when two British amateur archaeologists visited the area looking for archaeologically significant finds related to early Christianity, because this was an important Christian city, they found unparalleled treasure troves of ancient texts on papyri in these dumps. Shitloads of stuff. Heaps and heaps of stuff. When when you say shitloads, and I apologise if this is going to ruin a later joke, you've talked before in this podcast about how basically ancient papyri were used as loo rolls yes, well, <laughs> by that people is, in medieval times. 
Yes, this is that, <laughs> is that was this? the search term that I went into Google with papyri <laughs> toilet paper, and we don't know how much of this was used as bog roll, but I will get onto that. It, it was just dumped. Can you buy ancient classical text printed on bog oh, no, roll? But you should, shouldn't you? That would be a great souvenir. I remember at university, some people living in the flat next to us were commonly out of toilet paper. Very unusual for students. And I know, once I went into their toilet and they had kitchen roll instead of toilet paper because it was all that was left. And I did enjoy ripping a piece off, folding it in half and having a fancy cup of tea written on it. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite, dear. I'm just having a shit. (laughs) Maybe later. (laughs) Well, I can one better than that, Tom, in terms of terrible, terrible things to use as loo roll. <laughs> in a in the first year of university in our halls of residence, again, ran out of loo roll. What a surprise. One of our housemates also had <laughs> some slightly out of date pitta breads. Oh dear God. Oh dear Lord. <laughs> One, of my, one of my housemates, one of my roommates in the first year of university, used mouldy pita breads oh, as loo good roll. Good grief. That's Bear grills, isn't it? Uh, how did we know, Tom? How did we know that he'd done this? Oh, he didn't put it back in the larder. <laughs> no, but have you ever tried flushing bread? It floats. <laughs> so we came home to a toilet full of poo-covered pita bread. And <laughs> Did he toast them before? Because I prefer my pitta beds toasted. A little bit warm on the inside. I imagine that would have affected the absorbent nature. <laughs> it would have aided the structural integrity. Oh, can you imagine, though, if it had snapped? The shards. Oh, oh. Christ, and the finger. I mean, you've, that, that key middle <laughs> finger would have gone straight up your bummer, wouldn't it? Oh, go on. Let's get more graphic. <laughs> that's, that's what this story needed. <laughs> through the outer sphincter, through the inner sphincter... <laughs> And right up to tickling your tonsils. Right up the anal canal. <laughs> Which is between Wigan and... <laughs> <laughs> Which supplied water to the town of... <laughs> Oxyrhynchus. Excellent. Anyway, uh, let me get back to some seriousness. These two chaps, these two British archaeologists, were called Bernard Grenfell and Arthur Hunt. Very good late 18th century names. And they were fellows of Oxford University. But they weren't, you know, fellows of Oxford University, which is the accent I wanted to go with, because one was actually a Brummie. There you go, Sam, setting you up. And one was from Essex, Sam. All right. All right, Arthur. What, gays? I think I found some papoid eye in this dump. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to get Peaky Blinders very quickly, isn't it? It Looks like it might be a bit of Sophocles. Or maybe Themistocles. (laughs) But I can't tell whether it was Sophocles or Aristocles. Or Euripidor. Because someone's been eating corn and there's a massive, great big skid mark over <laughs> a name on the top of it. You're surprisingly accurate there, Sam, with that description of some of these documents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you're wrong there, mate. You see, what you got there is you've got a bit of old Pinder, haven't you? You've got a bit of the old uh, fancy poetry from Pinder, yeah. Or if you're lucky, you might have a bit of the old Gospel of St Thomas, wouldn't you, eh? Yeah, if you're a bit lucky. Hey. Hey. <laughs> but it uh, looks like someone's been having a booner, because uh, there's no chance you're going to be reading that anytime soon, mate. Nah. Ooh, that's going to take a clean-up job, that is. That's going to take a clean-up job. But get the toothbrush out, mate. It's going to need a proper old scrub. You went a bit Aussie there. Proper old scrub. <laughs> well, Aussies, Aussies are cockneys. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That's where the accent came from. I, I didn't appreciate the subtlety of your <laughs> impression evolution. <laughs> Very good. 
Anyway, so these two chaps set to work and rapidly realised that they'd struck oil, classical oil, the oil of antiquity. <laughs> Poo juice! <laughs> <laughs> it's like the oil of oil, which is dead dinosaur juice. <laughs> is that the oil of oil? Yeah, I suppose it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Good work. That's what he did there. That's freaking... <laughs> so at the time, Oxyrhynchus wasn't actually much to look at. So when these guys were excavating... <laughs> no, it's just a giant outhouse Absolutely. in the middle of the desert. <laughs> it, it is. Archaeologically, there was very little left above ground because Egyptian archaeological sites were pillaged uh, during the 19th century for building materials and often rocks and things were burnt for lime. So it was really not unusual to have very little on the surface and shitloads under, under the ground, for want of a better <laughs> so, phrase. So to speak. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you needed a poo in Oxyrhynchus, you're never going to be short of something to read, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but are you going to want to read it? <laughs> uh, yes, well, it's, it's, it's the capital of literature, isn't it? Really, hey. most of us have a copy of Viz or um, a Beano album, <laughs> don't we? A book of photographs of doors, if you're middle class. <laughs> yes, that's true. It's that true. I've seen that book as well. Good doors old... of Sicily. Yeah. Yes, that's the standard. Exact same the one. standard toilet book of middle class England. Fuck <laughs> me, that's so book English. Of Sicilian isn't it? front doors. <laughs> Everyone's got one. Possibly enjoy this shit. I must read a book about the front doors. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, look at the weathering on that bad boy. Exactly. Look at the look at the look at the patina on that. <laughs> yeah. God, can you think of anything worse? Not a bad front door either. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lovely knockers. Mm. Sorry, I went a bit too Ronnie's there. My apologies. So, Oxyrhynchus is just an incredible archaeological site. Press my bell. <laughs> Shake your willy in my post box. <laughs> Ring my bell. Ring my bell. Oh, I hate that song. Do you? Yeah. Carry on. Yes, so let's be serious for a moment and describe what has been excavated so far from these dumps. What has been excremented? Sorry. That was so we, yeah. we promised seriousness. Only about 10% of the papyri are literary, i.e. classical and biblical literature. But here are some snippets. Fragments of Homer, a lost play from Sophocles, Pindar's poetry... The oldest diagrams of Euclid's elements. Euclid was a mathematician. Menander's comedies, lost works from Aristotle, early copies of the books from the Old and New Testament, and apocryphal New Testament documents, i.e. documents that were circulating during early Christianity, but did not make the Orthodox Bible in the first couple of hundred years. Notably, the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Mary. Um, so very, very important for, for biblical early biblical texts. The majority of the papyri are way more mundane and everyday in their nature, which provides an incredible, if largely dull, insight into everyday <laughs> life, which apparently was incredibly corrupt for those people who have studied these papyri in great detail. Um, let's give you some so things like wills, letters, tax returns, accounts, bills, court records, etc. Now, there are oh, just reams and reams and reams of this have been translated since 1898, I think it was when it first started. And every year... I think it's yes, at Oxford there's University. There's a great job for an archivist, isn't I it? I know. It's a, oh, they would love it. <laughs> Cleaning the they? medieval poo off ancient tax returns. <laughs> wow. That's what I got my doctorate for. Yeah. <laughs> that was worth a PhD. I'd like to point out most of them aren't covered in poo as far as I'm aware, Sam. Much to my disappointment when researching this. But <laughs> yeah, so there are reams of things. And every year, a catalogue 
is released by the guys who are doing this at Oxford University. I think it's Oxford University. Every year, a new... <laughs> it's like a Beano album again. It's just like every year, another one. Because <laughs> for the people of Oxyrinkers, every day a new log was released. <laughs> and most of it ended up on their classical texts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be sensible here, Sam. I know I'm, I'm, I'm not referring. And I'm trying to not. <laughs> <laughs> it's too 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 tempting. Dangling a turd in front of you, and um, you can't help but grabbing it. <laughs> like a, I, don't, I don't want to let anything go, Tom. I'm feeling it slipping through my fingers, and I just. <laughs> it's like. A, I want to grab it with both hands. It's like a, a poor Spaniard's birthday party, isn't it? Whacking a turd <laughs> on a string. <laughs> turd pin. It is. A it's turd like pinata. a turd pinata, Tom. <laughs> little comedy candies coming out. Little comedy nuggets. Sweet Ooh. corn. Bad, bad use of the word nuggets, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I've had a look through only the first... I, I've really, really quickly flicked through the first three volumes to see if I could find anything novel, funny. And here are a few things that I, that I found. Okay. Quote, I was today instructed to inspect the body of a man who had been found hanged and to report my opinion on it. I therefore inspected the body and found it hanged by a noose, which fact I accordingly report. Good work, <laughs> Doc. <laughs> For you. I'm glad we invited you around. <laughs> no shit Sherlock has never been more appropriate. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it works on so many levels. <laughs> Here's another one that I think you'll like, Sam. I hereby agree on the August Divine Oath by our Lord Emperors and Caesars to offer my eggs in the market place publicly for sale and for the supply of the said city every day without intermission and I acknowledge that it shall be unlawful for me in the future to sell secretly or in my house too right mate fucking sell your eggs uh, in the market absolutely and the emperor wants your word on that yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they've got nothing better to do Caesar himself wants an absolute guarantee that you're not hoarding your eggs in your house what's that the Parthians are invading alright we'll better deal with that oh wait eggs that little fucker's been... <laughs> Put the Parthians on the back burner. Let's sort the eggs. <laughs> Crassus just done whoa, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Stabbed in the back, you say? For, oh, hold on, there are eggs to be dealt with. <laughs> Do you know what? I was walking through the market the other day and I thought, Do you know what this market needs? It's a little short on eggs, isn't it? It is a little bit short on and eggs. And then I thought, where the fucking eggs gone? Hearts and minds, you need eggs. Eggs and races. Do you reckon this guy beforehand, before making this oath, was just walking through town hiding a chicken under his coat? Pop <laughs> under his out. cloak. <laughs> Every now and again. Pop. <laughs> yeah. like, like a postboy. Ping. He's just like, Down people's open, driveways. open his toga up. Oi, mate. Mate, you want some eggs? Squeeze this. Squeeze this. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, mate. Two sistercy. <laughs> Finest black market eggs you'll have. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Don't tell the emperor, eh? <laughs> we know he likes all his eggs in the market, don't we? Here's one from a school text. Adrastus, king of Argos, married one of his own rank and had two daughters, who, though not ugly, were unlucky as to marriage, for no suitor offered themselves. Oh, good to know. <laughs> so Adrastus has mediocre-looking daughters. <laughs> yeah. It's all the, uh, it's the important facts you learn in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not bad. Not bad. A six out of ten. In a pinch. <laughs> Here's another one. The Deculean invites you to his party on the sixth day before the calendars at eight o'clock. Fuck me. That is where this stuff starts to spice up, isn't it? When you get party invites that you discover in the uh, in the papyri. Party time for the archivists. <laughs> Assuming you didn't go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I think of this invite. Rub, 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 rub. 
<laughs> Flush that away. <laughs> Sorry, your messenger never arrived. <laughs> I left your page boy on red. <laughs> R-S-V-P that. Here's one that I think you'll enjoy, Sam. Although these quotes have been slightly abbreviated. I'm at a loss where to go. My ship is shattered. I weep for my sweet bird. Come, let me take the chick he nurtures. He, my warrior, my beauty, my Greek cock. For his sake was I called great in my life and deemed happy. Comrades, in my breeding cares, I'm distraught. For my cock has failed me. He fell in love and deserted me. (laughs) Do you want to know what that's about? He got eaten by a fish. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a fighting cock, Sam. That's actually a rooster. Oh. So it looks like a little bit of a eulogy for a lost rooster. There you go. (laughs) Here's some good stuff. So there are lots of medicinal documents as well. Heat an equal quantity of beaver husk and poppy juice upon a potsherd. If possible, one of attic make. But failing that, soften by diluting with raisin wine, warm and drop in. Another, dilute some gum and balsam of lilies, and add honey and rose extract. Twist some wool with the oil in it, rough, a probe, warm, and drop it in. Right. I know. Hang on, could, just going back to the beginning of that quote, Tom. Beaver What's the husk. first ingredient? Beaver, beaver husk. Yeah, presum- yeah beaver husk. And presumably is the rough backside of a beaver. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Be- mm. Beaver's arse. Does, is that a mm. euphemism that needs exploring? <laughs> Well, I was wondering that. <laughs> That's possibly one of the most revolting euphemisms we've ever made on this podcast. And for earache... Oh. <laughs> is it, though? <laughs> is it? Yes. <laughs> Here's Be a quiet. good one. For earache, you can rinse your ear out with onion juice, or, if you prefer, some warm bile from a bull, goat, or sheep. That'll make it better, won't it? Lovely. Mm. Yeah, you're going to smell good on that date <laughs> at the Decurion's party. <laughs> Since 1898, only about 1, maybe 2% of the papyri have been sorted, translated, archived. And every year, as I said, a volume of the really? year's translated text is published. Jesus. I know. Currently, the majority, as far as I could work out, are still kept in the original cardboard boxes in which they were stored by Grenfell and Hunt, just waiting to be sorted. And they just look like oversized Sultana Bran. And now, to extend this sort of serial analogy, <laughs> if the papyri <laughs> are fragments of the Bran, the Sultanas could be, well, poo, Sam. And that, in my notes, yes. is where I thought I'd introduce Pooh to the <laughs> to the podcast. You, however, <laughs> went in much you earlier. You thought you would wait until nearly half an hour in. <laughs> Here's the best bit, though, Sam. Here is by far the best bit. Who ever said academics don't have a sense of humour? Here is a quote from an academic. I mean, someone just translated the entire poem as cock instead of rooster. My cock does not work. <laughs> so I think... <laughs> I think we've discovered the academic sense of humour already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me quote academic Anne-Marie Luijendik. Luijendik. So it's quite a difficult... It looks like a Dutch name. Anyway, quote, Only in rare instances we can detect the final use of a papyrus fragment. This happened with a Homer manuscript from Oxyrhynchus. In order to understand its last use, I should mention that when dug up from trash heaps, papyri consisted of crumpled up dry lumps. Before they can be deciphered, they have to be straightened out. This is done by applying moisture to make the papyrus supple again and then pulling and rubbing it in shape. Hunt even advised this was best done with one's fingers. Whether it was the vapours let loose when this homer piece was dampened or more substantial organic remains stuck to it. The conservation of that papyrus must have been a surprisingly unpleasant task for its editor, Jay Spooner, notes that this text was last used as toilet paper, or what I would call toilet papyrus. Beautiful. There you are, Sam. 
academic humour for you. So there it is. That's that brings me back round full circle. That was the Google search term I went for: papyrus toilet paper. And this is what I came up with. Fantastic. Available now, Indy. That was genius gift shop. <laughs> Brilliant. I would. I'd pay for it. <laughs> Except I don't understand ancient Greek. Happy bit <laughs> Well, it's not really that important, is it? It's toilet paper. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's wonderful, Tom. And uh, yeah, genuinely, if if anyone owns a toilet paper company out there, as I know so many of you do, side hustles, do get in touch because we'd love to commission. <laughs> some, some classical works on bog roll. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's there's a target market waiting to be yeah. class, classic students. They don't have enough toilet paper. They're always out, and they like classics. They do. Bingo bongo. And you can have a family value pack of some of the longer epics. Yes. Yep. Yep. So you know, the Iliad for a family of six, <laughs> and um, for small spills around the kitchen, Shakespeare sonnets. Yes. Sam. Shakespeare wasn't a classical author. I, well, I know, but I can't think of any short, short-form classical poems. I can't either. Shit. Say something. We'll, we'll say something, and people won't know. <laughs> Pindar. Pindar. <laughs> yeah, classical joke. Funny poo joke. Oh, <laughs> well, that's really interesting, Tom. I dread to think what archaeologists in five hundred years will, will pull out of our rubbish. Oh God, or our toilets. Sewage systems. Or indeed our toilets, yes. Yeah, dear Lord. As um, anyone who's worked in ED knows, certain things do get shoved up there. Uh, ED being emergency department. Yes, sorry, yes, yes. Not erectile dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) Alas, my cock has stopped working. (laughs) (laughs) You can get a pill for that these days. Back in the day, you just rub some sheep's bile on it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Hoped for the best. (laughs) But bunion juice. (laughs) Yeah, oh God. That'll, that'll bring all the girls, won't it? You will be weeping. <laughs> yeah. oh. Well, Tom, from toilet paper to sex scandals, uh, I'm going to talk today about the Bonadeus... Classic transition. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. The Bonadeus scandal, Tom. Ooh. You ever heard of this? No, I haven't. I haven't heard of the Bonadeus scandal. That's good, because I know you're, you're well into your classics. Classical cock. <laughs> Classical cock. <laughs> Classical knobs documents, like the Peripeia. <laughs> Yeah, yes. <laughs> you love a Roman sex scandal. You love Roman filth. And this was a real Roman sex scandal. The Bonadea scandal, or how one man nearly bought down Caesar by cross-dressing and sneaking into a sleepover. Oh. Yeah. It sounds fun. It's a doozy, Tom. And it's very lightly related to discovery. So <laughs> was he tossing the Caesar salad, Sam? That was the intention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's what someone tried to do. <laughs> it's all about the dressing, Tom, as we know. And in this case, dressing as a lady. Nicely done. Back on track. Good work. <laughs> it wasn't nicely done. It was clunky <laughs> AF. <laughs> but I'll take it. Very tired. This was a scandal that absolutely rocked the late Roman Republic, Tom. It's a story of seduction, disguises, secret societies, and man's desperate urge to quote-unquote discover, linking it to the title of the episode, what women get up to when left to their own devices for the night. (laughs) Usually less erotic than men like to think. Yes. (laughs) Very much so. Slippers, nighty... (laughs) Yeah, it's less lesbian exploration and more watching Legally Blonde, I think, and doing your nails. (laughs) Bulk eating dairy milk. (laughs) 
So, Tom, what or who is the Bona Dea? I don't know. You're the one doing well, this part of the fucking podcast. What do you do it all? <laughs> Shit. Jesus I've left Christ, the gap in my notes. I was hoping you'd know about this and could <laughs> fill in the gaps for me. <laughs> Cover, Tom. <laughs> well, the truth is, actually, no one knows. The Latin phrase means good goddess. Right. And that is pretty much all that we know about her. She was a Roman goddess of fertility, supposedly a virgin so pure and chaste that men were not even allowed to know her name, her real name. And since men did most of the writing and public oratory in Rome, that means that we actually have no record of who this goddess was, other than that she was really important. Uh, We don't know where she came from. We don't know her origin story. We don't really know about her relationship to the other gods. Uh, A lot of writers at the time thought she might be either a version of Terra, who was the earth goddess, Terra is earth, Ceres, who's the goddess of crops and fertility, or Fauna, the wife and sister of Faunus, who's the Roman version of Pan. Right. Yes, wife and sister, because if you're already half man, half goat, um, fuck it, go full Alabama and marry your sister, right? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Your life's already a little bit fucked up. (laughs) You've got the head of a man... Cloven hooves and you poo little pellets. They get stuck in your uh, in your furry. <laughs> they get cheeks. stuck in your tail. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Oniony Willy is the least of your worries. <laughs> oh, ancient medicine, never die, or always die. <laughs> so yeah, we literally know nothing about the Bonadea. We don't even know her name, and this was despite the fact that her cult was a state-sanctioned and funded religion in ancient Rome with its own temples and festivals but men were completely completely banned from both so we know oh, absolutely wow. nothing about it sounds like Lord Voldemort doesn't it the god that, who must not be named but probably slightly less sinister yeah yeah <laughs> like to think not as nasty <laughs> yeah I, I, I've got nowhere to go with that I've never, never read, read Harry, Harry Potter, Potter I don't I really know an awful <laughs> lot about it <laughs> insert your own puns here audience so every year there were two festivals to the Bonadier held in Rome one was on May the 1st at her temple on the Aventine Hill and was for plebeians. The lower classes, Tom, the public. Yes, the riffraff. Dirty proles. The riffraff. The great unwashed. Yes. What, what, what? Yes, they can have their own little festival. You do what they do, the poor people. They can, I don't know, slag each other off and fight in the streets. And w- poor people Wallow stuff, in their know. lack of wealth. Cry. Ruffle around in the street for some seeds. So, of course, we don't really know very much about that one at all, because why would you write about poor people? (laughs) Fuck off and do as they please. (laughs) The second festival, though, Tom, the second festival, far more interesting, because that's for the people who matter. It's for the movers and shakers. It was held in December, and it was for the patrician or aristocratic class, held in the mansion of the leading magistrate in Rome at the time. Sam, you just... Deep faked your voice there. I did, that didn't was I? Beautiful. You went from posh person back to Sam so so smoothly. Or am I deep faking my voice now? Do I really? Do I, I really this? speak like this? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> Sitting here in my smoking jacket, enjoying a Romeo Juliet or a Scotch. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. With a slightly dewy ass. <laughs> After my morning routine of polishing it on the window. Yes, I mean, the neighbours aren't going to see me because I haven't got one for three miles. <laughs> the, only, the only person who's going to see my arse being polished up against the window is Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it, the dirty <laughs> bastard. So, yes, the December festival is far more important. It was held for the aristocratic classes in the mansion of the leading magistrate 
in Rome at the time, the most senior elected official. And it was a very big deal. The uh, magisterial villa was cleared of anything that could be considered in any way male or masculine under the watchful eye of the Vestal Virgins, the all-female keepers of Rome's eternal flame and 60s girl group. <laughs> Is that right? There was a 60s girl group? No, there wasn't. <laughs> oh, OK, it sounds like it could be. But yeah, anything male was removed from the house, which was then decorated with flowers and a sow, a female pig, was sacrificed. A portrait of the Bonadier was... <laughs> how, how condescending... Well, it's a woman's event, so you can have a fucking sow, you bunch of miserable sows. <laughs> Wait, it has to be a female pig. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. It can't be a male pig. <laughs> Men male, are banned. The male pig might let on. Might, um, <laughs> it might tell, yeah. Tell everyone. Wink, 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 wink. You'll uh, never believe what those women were getting up to. Absolutely fuck all. It was very boring. <laughs> I, on the other hand, got a spit roast. <laughs> hey! Not, it turns out, as satisfying as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, pop the apple out of the mouth, would you? <laughs> yes. So a portrait of the Bonadier was carried from her temple to the mansion, where she was fed a delicious meal of the sow's entrails. Mmm, mm. lucky goddess. Yeah. Ooh. Awful. Whilst all of the high-class women of Rome got very, very, very drunk. In fact, getting smashed and playing silly games were part of the official rights. It was state-sanctioned that you had to do this. Is this just a Hindu? Is that basically what this is? Basically, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's to the goddess of fertility, so almost certainly. You know, they wear a sash. Oh, you can't get a stripper in, can you? Because men are banned. Uh, you could get, uh, um, like, a, a masculine woman in. Well... That'll appear later in the story. <laughs> That'll appear later in the story, Tom. <laughs> so, yeah, this was the only time of the year when women were allowed to get drunk. And it was the only time of the year, really, where it was socially acceptable for women to get drunk. Even then, to save the blushes of their husbands, they had to pretend that they'd been drinking milk all night. <laughs> Dreadful from a bowel. Oh, they're intolerant, don't you know? Can't deal with lactose. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yes. <laughs> Oh, the milk sharts the next morning. <laughs> oh, my head. Oh, far too many hot chocolates last night. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, another Nesquik. I shouldn't have had that extra Nesquik. <laughs> oh, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> sharts, do a shot of Nesquik. <laughs> you think Sharts is the name of one of the ladies? <laughs> Sharters. Sharters. <laughs> oh, Lady Sharters. Sharters Minimus. <laughs> followed after the next shot of uh, Nesquik by Shartus Maximus. Soilus Togus. <laughs> <laughs> Papyrus Ruinus. <laughs> oh. Billowing Undius. Oh, oh <laughs> Celia. Not sure I'm going to make it to the toilet. Grab the Homer. Grab the Homer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good grief. So, yes, this was the only time that the women of Rome were allowed to get drunk, particularly without men around, and so they... Had a lot of interest in keeping these uh, great sacred rites a secret. <laughs> it was essentially a sleepover for all of the high class women of Rome, which meant that men being men, <laughs> they all wanted in on the action. Couldn't possibly have the women having a night with no men around. Yes. 
Roman aristocrats were, as we know, just as petty and led by their dicks as any teenage boy is today. And there was one in particular, a charismatic and ambitious but incredibly horny young senator called Publius Clodius Pulcher, who desperately wanted in on the action. So much so that he nearly brought down the Roman government. He was so keen to firstly discover, back to the topic of the episode, uh, what went on at these all-women parties, and secondly, to try and use it as an excuse to shag the wife of one Gaius Julius Caesar, who you may have heard of. (laughs) Yes. Not someone you want to cross, is it? Not particularly someone you want to cross, No. no. So, it's December 62 BC. Julius Caesar is Rome's senior magistrate and, oddly, chief priest. Yes. An elected position. So it falls on him and his wife Pompeia to organise the festival at the official residence of the Pontifex Maximus. Oh, when was this? This was 62, 62 BC. Okay, cool, 62 BC. Yeah. So this is Caesar's official residence as chief magistrate and senior priest. It's one of the grandest and most conspicuous houses in Rome. Caesar pisses off to do what senior priests do, probably a big lads weekend. <laughs> and uh... Smoking, drinking, strippers on the cheap side of Rome. <laughs> You know, like all good priests, whilst Pompeia gets on with organising the festival. Everything's going swimmingly, but there's a new noblewoman in town who rocks up. She's dressed like a woman, but what's this? Hello! (laughs) She has a beard, Tom. I mean, I guess that's okay. Maybe she's from Hispania. Who can say? (laughs) She's also... (laughs) She's also got a very deep voice, Tom. Any, uh, women here for this <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Yes, she's got a very deep voice as well, Tom. <laughs> oh, well, maybe she's a former Olympic shot putter from East Germania. Who can say? So many new, <laughs> so many new provinces in the Roman Empire these days. <laughs> um, but no, Tom, it's not a woman at all. It's a bloke in a woman's toga. Yes, Clodius had broken into the festival in drag, either, or both, out of curiosity or to try and seduce the very likely, very, very drunk Pompeia. I'm not entirely sure how that chat-up line would have worked, though. Hey, Pompeia, you look beautiful. I want to take a ride on my Vespa. Oh, you're a stranger lady, aren't you? Oh, what was your name again? It's me, Clodius in... Yes, as you can see, I am a beautiful woman with a great moustache. Now, let's go upstairs and do what a drunken noble woman supposedly do when left alone with a no man. What do you say? <laughs> that was a beautiful monologue. Thanks. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, uh, Clodius Ina was very quickly discovered and nearly torn to shreds by the woman at this party. Yes. We know what women could be like. Which is exactly what he was hoping was happening. Exactly. Woof. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. Here comes the stripper. Woo. Helicopter it. Do a hippodrome. Yes, ladies, you thought I was a beautiful new lady in town, but it is I, Claudius. Check out my body. Well, well, let me get the whipped cream. What's I say we stick a legally blonde on?
and that get down to that selection box of chocolates and bitch about our husbands. <laughs> oh dear God. I don't know what to say about this, Sam. <laughs> well, neither did Rome, Tom. It was a scandal of epic proportions. All government activity pretty much for six months was put whoa. on hold whilst they sorted out this scandal. <laughs> whoa, they, whoa. Yeah, it literally froze the government, what Clodius had done. And there were several court cases bought. Poor Pompeia, who really done nothing wrong in all of this, was divorced by Caesar, who declared famously that the wife of Caesar must be above suspicion. There was no real suspicion around her. It's at least partly likely that he was just furious some dick in a dress had caused major political and religious scandals in his house. You heard about this a lovely lass over in Egypt. Had his eyes on her, just waiting for the right moment. Well, you know, something like that, yes. <laughs> and, oh no, there's a major political scandal in my house. We'll have to get divorced. Cleopatra coming at you. <laughs> Obviously he wasn't at the festival, but as the elected head of Roman religion, it did look pretty bad <laughs> that one of the most auspicious festivals of the year had been infiltrated by a man. The festival had to be repeated, its rights had had to be redone. The whole thing was a massive oh, fuck-up. All, all had to be done again. Yeah, they had to repeat it. They had to redo the rights. Jeez. Meanwhile, Clodius was charged with desecrating ancient rites, which uh, was... A... <laughs> which was going on for 900 years in Oxyrhynchus. <laughs> <laughs> ancient rites with modern shites. <laughs> Come to Asda. <laughs> I mean, Walmart. that is value toilet paper, isn't it? I don't imagine papyrus is a triple ply quilted. Oh, it feels like I'm wiping my ass with clouds. Yeah, literally, that is a copy of clouds. <laughs> Bit of an ancient Greek drama. Is clouds an ancient Greek drama? Ancient Greek comedy. Aristophanes. So yeah, Clodius was charged with desecrating the ancient rites, uh, which was taken very, very seriously. This was the goddess of fertility. If she was pissed off, no more Roman noble babies. And so it carried the death sentence. This scandal also provided a great opportunity for all of his political rivals to swoop down on him. His brother-in-law, who was a military commander named uh, Lucullus, launched a prosecution against him for incest. Not off the back of this, but simply because everyone was piling in on him. Bundle! So he claimed that he'd been sleeping with Lucillus's wife, who was Clodius's own sister. So there was an incest charge brought as well, which was entirely politically motivated. It was in revenge for Clodius having sparked a mutiny amongst Lucillus's troops earlier on in his career. I, I won't go into the reasons for that. Turned up dressed as a woman and started taking his clothes off. <laughs> yeah. And the soldiers refused to attack that night preferring instead to drink Nesquik and enjoy the show. <laughs> well, after seeing that, the soldiers couldn't march, Tom. <laughs> Just kind of waddling along. Awkwardly. Oh, yes. <laughs> Put their shields in front of their crotch. <laughs> spears up, lads, spears up. <laughs> At ease. We can't. <laughs> Form the phalanx, lads. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a different story, that, though. It's a very interesting story. Lucillus and Clodius, but I won't go into it now because it's quite complicated like most Roman politics was. Meanwhile, Cicero, obviously a very famous Roman politician who hated Clodius, piled in for the prosecution in both court cases, the uh, desecrating the ancient rites one and the incest one, providing witnesses and oratory for both of them. There's a great quote from Cicero about the affair. He said, Publius Clodius, out from his saffron dress, from under his headdress, from his Cinderella slippers and his purple ribbons, from his breastband, from his dereliction, from his lust, is suddenly rendered a Democrat. 
So under all the dressing slippers, you've just got a horny politician. Yes, and also a translator there referencing Cinderella. Yes, it's not an entirely accurate translation. (laughs) (laughs) For those uh, astute historians out there. Yes, time frame does not compute. (laughs) Caesar himself actually stayed out of all of this, aside from the divorce thing, and refused to comment, presumably to distance himself and protect his career from any more scandal. And because Clodius was actually a personal friend and ally before all of this kicked off, uh, despite having gone out of his way to try and shag his wife. What a mistake to make her. What a mistake to make her. Only in ancient Rome. (laughs) Eventually, Clodius was acquitted on all charges, but that's only thanks to an awful lot of bribery through the generosity of one Marcus Lucinius Crassus, ah. the richest man in Rome, who we have talked about before yeah, in this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about his death. Crassus, Mr. So Maybach. Crassus, yeah. Mr. Big Stuff. <laughs> who do you think ah, Mr. Big Stuff? Hey, I'm Crassus. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. So Crassus saved him, literally saved his life by bribing the jury, but it completely destroyed his reputation amongst the aristocracy for years, even decades after his death. His name was absolute mud amongst the Roman ruling class. The moral of this story, Sam, control your urges, young men. (laughs) Control your randiness. No. (laughs) I don't think young men will learn, Tom. It's a valuable lesson, but they haven't listened for thousands of years. I'm not sure they're going to listen to some bloke in a podcast. (laughs) And that is why ancient Roman Greece had that system whereby young men had older male guardians. Pederasty. Pederasty, exactly. Yes, where older boys would take younger boys under their cloaks, so to speak, and teach them the ways of the world. The very handy way of avoiding getting noble women pregnant. (laughs) Socially engineered homosexuality. That's basically what it was, wasn't it? Absolutely, yes. Put that in my dissertation. Exactly the kind of thing Fox News will say Obama tried to bring in. (laughs) (laughs) Or Alex Jones will tell you fluoride in the water causes. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it does actually seem that after all of this, Clodius did kind of learn his lesson a little bit, at least when it comes to matters of the dick. Uh, after the scandal, he seemed to settle down and mend his ways, marrying and rebuilding his relationship with Caesar. And he actually did have a reasonably successful career, being elected tribune a few years later, having won over the public by setting up the first grain dolls or monthly guaranteed food supplies to the poor. So he was a hero of the poor. That is really funny you mentioned that, Sam. There are lots of documents in Oxyrhynchus about grain dolls. Ah, There we go, all ties together. Absolutely. He was still, despite not being led by his dick anymore, he was still an absolute prick, though. (laughs) He used a lot of Roman workers' guilds as his own personal street gangs and absolutely terrorised the city of Rome, including most of the very senior politicians who he saw as his rival. He actually used his street gangs to put Pompey under house arrest for six months and terrorised Caesar himself for several years as well in the streets. Patricians and leading Roman senators could not walk in the streets because they would be beaten up by Clodius' gangs if they disagreed with him. He never gave up bickering with Cicero either, bringing several court cases against him to get him exiled and having his property seized and his houses destroyed, throughout all of which Cicero never let him forget that one night where he dressed up as a woman and snuck into the sleepover, yeah. saying in one argument that if the Roman Republic must be destroyed by someone, let it at least be destroyed by a real man i.e. not one in a dress. Not a big wussy. Wussy trying to dress in a lady toga. With his Cinderella slippers on. (laughs) Yeah, with his little glitzy slippers and his vajazzle. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what vajazzle is, Sam? Because they've got it on your slippers. (laughs) 
<laughs> I do know what a bejazzle is. I have seen the only way as Essex. I know fully well that it is Diamante for the lady parts. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, in the end, their rivalry ended in mass street brawls, in fact, including street brawls between rival clans of gladiators. Oh, now that, that is a street fight I'd, I'd like to watch. Damn right, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that someone let the lions loose as well at some point in the street yeah, fight. This so sounds like, like WWE, doesn't it? Oh my uh, God, they've gone backstage. <laughs> he put Cicero through a table. Oh my God, you cannot believe it. Marcellus has just body slammed. <laughs> the great Sophocles. <laughs> So yeah, the two the two never saw eye to eye, ending in massive street brawls. And eventually, Clodius was murdered on the Appian Way by Cicero's bodyguards, amongst other conspirators, in 52 BC. So a sad end to a man who ruined his political career by following his dick and trying to sneak into a woman's sleepover. Great story. Ah, never heard that one before. That's quite a well-known story, is it? Uh, reasonably, I'd never heard it before either. Well, if you haven't, but there's heard quite it. a lot of resources. There's a bit. There's a few books and on it. I haven't heard it. I know. Well, if I haven't heard exactly. it, then it just doesn't exist. Is there anything we don't know, Sam? I don't think so. When it comes to history, no. I think we know but most things, don't we? And if someone asks, I just bullshit. Yes. Fucking make it up as I go along. That's what all history is. It's just stories. <laughs> never bother backing it up with sources. They're all flawed. You might as well just say what's on your mind. Common sense history. <laughs> right, well, we should probably think of something to talk about next week, shouldn't we? Before oh, you start what should shitting all over your papyruses. And <laughs> yeah, next week. Now, I had some thoughts, but I probably forgot them. <laughs> Useful. Windows. Uh, laptops. Pens. We could do forgetfulness. We could do forgotten things. Huh. Next episode is episode 40. It's a bit of a milestone one. Why did we do the number 40? That is <laughs> limiting. <laughs> it could be 1940. It could be 1840. Okay, okay let's do the number 40. From... Yeah, something involving the number 40. Okay. A little bit like a Sesame Street episode. <laughs> 39. Ah, ah, ah. 40 shit-covered papyruses. Ah, ah, ah. Hmm, <laughs> what's this, Bert? <laughs> oh, it would look like the order of the bath. Hmm. Would you like to pass a rubber ducky? <laughs> and on that note, whilst Tom happily entertains himself in the background, <laughs> I'll say goodbye to you, dear audience. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a review if your podcast app of choice allows it. And tell your friends about us. Share us on social media. Do your thing. You know what to do. Ken gave us feedback. Ken did give us feedback. Thank you, Ken, for saying this is the first podcast I've ever listened to and and I love it. And then Kath just said, funny. I like that one. That was good. Yeah. And there was another one that really cracked me up. I won't name names because that's a bit mean. But he says, I really wanted to like this but found it quite disturbing and pathetic. The bravery of one man being trivialised in this way is nauseating. This has put me off listening to any more episodes. And that was our pilot episode, Call of Duty Canada. Presumably... Yes. He was talking about Gaius Flavius Maximus, Sam. Clearly, 2,000 years plus is a bit too soon for that chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Too soon. Don't mock the dead, Tom. Don't mock the dead. If that episode made you feel nauseous, oh, yeah, probably best oh, you don't no. listen to anything coming after That's that. the pilot episode. <laughs> Shit. It doesn't get better. <laughs> that was when we had reins. Yes, that was, that was when we had standards. We've got a lot looser since then. Um, yes. Speaking of which, Tom... You go sort yourself out. And we'll see you <laughs> next week, audience. See you next week. Bye. Bye.